Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come together tonight and fellowship and be with one another that are like-minded and uh, understand uh, what's going on in the world. So uh, we thank you for this opportunity as we study the scriptures now to prepare ourselves for the crazy times that we're in. We pray that the Holy Spirit would be our guide and our teacher tonight. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, let me get my, I don't know why my PowerPoint's not up here. Um, Is it not on those screens? Okay. Let's see. There, current slide. You got it? Okay, perfect. All right. Okay, so where we're at, uh, where I started and left up, yes. What now? Oh, no questions, okay. Um, where I was at last week, I, I, we were talking about Paul's doctrine and the idea that this is, we're talking about, you know, all the strands of different systematic theologies that the Bible teaches. And really, um, when you look at all the systematic theologies, whether it's Ecclesiastes, uh, sorry, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiology, Soteriology, whatever the study is, um, it all boils down to basically four major things that the Bible is speaking about. The truth about God, the truth about reality, the truth about us, and the truth about others, Okay. And this is necessary to prepare for perilous times. If, we're, if times are going to get worse for us, then these four areas have to be under our belt in order to deal with it. So last week, what I talked about is how do you relate to God? Well, we know, we talk, well you know about salvation, right? But everything that relates to God is through sacrifice, and as a believer, you have to be in the mindset of, of one that's willing to sacrifice in order to handle perilous times, because you will sacrifice. You will be called to sacrifice. And so if you don't know how to sacrifice, if that's, if that's foreign to you, it's going to mess up not only your relationship with God, but it'll mess up your relationship with what's going on in the world. God's basically, what I'm telling you is God's going to ask you to sacrifice more for what's coming. Okay? And that's how you relate to God in that sense. It's always through sacrifice. Everything you think about in your sanctification is about sacrifice. You give up that which is best to God. Okay? So we did that. So now I want to turn now to number two, the truth about reality. And the truth about reality is a hard pill to swallow a lot of times. Because people don't like reality. People want to deny reality. They actually create their own realities. And and that's the problem we're having right now in the world is people vehemently protest against what reality is. And so their way of managing life is to create a fantasy, is to create a, a, a narrative in their world where they are the hero um, in their fantasy and in their fantasy, they, they have how things should be in their mind, okay? Not how things are, but how things should be. And they live according to this wish hope, we call it, or fantasy, if you really want to call it. And what ends up happening is that, that 
that wish hope, that fantasy actually starts becoming reality for them and they start moving out of reality into another realm. And this is why I think, you know, we're finding it so hard to talk to people these days in America. At least half the population is in a, a, on another planet, we, we say tongue-in-cheek. But what we're really saying is they're so far removed from reality, it's very difficult to have a relationship with somebody that far removed that, that you know, on black and white issues, you know, that... that you know, killing a baby uh, in uh, up to nine months or even out of the womb is totally acceptable in their reality, and I don't know, I don't know how to bridge that gap anymore. That's what we're all struggling with. You're far, so far out of reality. Where, where, where do we find common ground with that kind of person? You see what I'm saying? There's no commonality. I mean, I'm, I'm saying the sky is blue and you're saying it's purple. And there's this, we're not even talking about shades of blue anymore. You're so far gone. And this is what make, is making living in our society so, so difficult now. Um, <coughs> the concept of turning everything on its head has been thoroughly done in, in all of the world. It's not just here, it's all over the world and, um, you know, last Friday, I was uh, talking to a group uh, in England. Basically, I did a Zoom uh, seminar for them. We were, and we were going over the book of Daniel and stuff, and I'm going to do part two in a, in, a, in a while. But talking to them and, and you know, hearing some of what, you know, what's going on there and right there in the middle of England... <laughs> They're experiencing the same thing, and and I and I think when you look at that, you start realizing, man, this is on like a global scale. This is, this is not just an American phenomenon; it's there. I'm talking to people on Friday that that last Friday that are entrapped in a 15 minute city. Now I've told you about the 15 minute city. Now, I'm talking to them on the ground. They're in it. And, and that stuff's coming here, by the way. I mean, they're implementing it now in Europe. But I, I think what, what I'm trying to get across to you is that reality is not just simply here in America or it's California. They're having worse things in Europe. The Christians are, right? You know, that's what I'm trying to say. So reality has really, not our reality, but their reality has changed in I, um, we're going to struggle with this. So we have to prepare for this. We have to understand it. We have to know how to react to it, okay? So let's first off start with the basis of understanding about the reality that we live in, okay? And here's, here's the basic foundational things you have to understand in order to cope with life, Number one, you must understand the fall, okay? Now, I just said understand the fall. But the second thing is you must accept the fall. And that is a bigger issue, okay? What do I mean by that? Well, 
we all read Genesis and we know what Adam and Eve did. They fell and, it, and God basically, by him cursing the ground, cursed the entire physical order of the universe, okay? And the whole universe started shutting down, started dying. We call that in science the second law of thermodynamics or, uh, you know, the, the heat loss death and stuff that the universe is going through. The universe is actually dying. Okay, it's, and and everything is dying. The the uh, the magnetic fields, everything is dying. It's waning because the second law of thermodynamics was introduced. Along with that, that's part of the curse. Okay, and then that means that the environment that we're in is hostile to human beings now. The garden was not hostile to human beings. It actually allowed human beings to live a very comfortable life, an easy life. Uh, basically, the, the thing grew f- food for them, and it was basically a life of paradise, really. But the minute the curse happens, the physical environment becomes your greatest enemy. Okay, And the physical environment wants to kill you. Not, I'm, not, I'm not personalizing it, but if you don't have food and water and you don't have shelter, this environment that you live in will kill you at some point in time, right? And it has a lot of people throughout all the, the ages, okay? So you're not living in an environment that's suited for you anymore. It's now coming against you. Now, we have done things as human beings to be able to survive and live comfortably. We have air conditioning, we have heat and all that other stuff. But still, the whole point is, if I put you in Alaska by yourself, you're probably going to die, okay? Because you have no shelter, there's no food, and you're out there by yourself wandering around, and a grizzly bear is going to get you, and you're going to get eaten. And that, that's how the environment works, right? Um, and that's how it was in the ancient world. The ancient world was very brutal, because of the wild animals, they had lions and all kinds of things running around in the Middle East, and they would, eat, they would eat people and tear them to pieces. And so people didn't live a long time. So if you go to third world countries, the reality of how harsh the environment is, is seen in the third world country. They don't live long, okay? I was in Uganda for about two weeks one time. Dude, there was no one over 30 in the villages I went to. There's no one over 30. It's all... I just thought, I looked at these villages and I'm like, the village elders, 29. This is like, I don't consider that an elder. But that's how long they were living. So that guy was an elder because, and he was managing teenagers and stuff because they didn't live that long in a very harsh environment. Okay. So the environment is going to hurt you. Okay. The environment's going to hurt you. Now, let me go one step further. Not only is the environment cursed because of the fall, but the DNA in humanity is cursed. Okay? The sin nature that humans carry actually is killing them. It's, it's bringing them uh, the death principle. And it's killing them the minute they're born. You know, they, they're, they're st- that's the process. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means, too, that... Your body is working against you. Your body is slowly decaying. Your body is, is 
gonna be eventually disease-ridden and will eventually wear out on you to where your soul cannot stay in your body anymore because it's a, it, it can't, it can't, it, the body can't sustain life anymore. Now, we're hoping the rapture happens, obviously, and so none of us have to go through that process. But, um, but anyway, that's the reality, that you're born with certain things. You're born with diseases sometimes. You're born with genetic things that are going on in you. And, and there's not much you can do about it. Yes, you can, there's medical practices and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's almost like there's a kill switch in all of us. And that kill switch, eventually, we just die. And I think Dr. Mensink had pointed that out. You go through these different cycles, and some people have longer cycles than others, but when you run out of the cycles, your body just stops. doesn't live anymore. And it's almost like when, when God said, I give you 70 years, anything plus that is grace, it, it almost matches what we know medically about the cycles that human bodies go through. Um, and of course, like Dr. Mensink will say, you can extend those cycles and, and live longer, but you're only going through whatever, how many cycles he said there are. And that's it. And then that's, after that, there's like a kill switch. And you just don't live any f- further than that. So here comes the thing. Most people can understand what I just said. But most people won't accept it. What do you mean? They protest it. And in the protesting of it, they reject it. And so, because they're in protest and rejection, they get angry over the unfairness of the environment and their bodies. Okay? They, they're upset about this. They get bitter about this. So, as an example, you live in Tornado Alley somewhere in Oklahoma or whatever. You're living in a nice house. Tornado comes, destroys your house, kills everybody. Like a Job situation. Who are you going to blame for that? You see what I'm saying? So what happens to people like that, if they don't know and process things correctly about reality and, and, and accept the reality that we're, we're in a, a creation that's fallen, and that's why there are hurricanes, that's why there's tornadoes, that's why there's earthquakes that kill people, like we saw in Turkey, right? Several of them. Um, then you're going ha- to start protesting reality, okay? Now, when you try to protest reality... Um, you're not getting very far on that. So what's going to happen is you're going to become embittered and angry and pretty nasty about it. Now, you can take the globalist tactic of, you know, they think they're gods and they think they're going to stop the the weather. They think they're going to seed the weather, their climate change, all that junk. And they get into their fantasy as if they're a god and they can stop these natural disasters, which is nonsense. It's, it can't be stopped. And, and so you can play that game, but it's, it's just, you're, you're spinning your wheels. This is too big for you. This is bigger than humans because it's a curse. It's a spiritual problem. Okay. So now let's get into people's health because this is what really rips people apart. 
many people think it's unfair they were born with certain things in their body, genetic malfunctions. Uh, they were born too short, born too tall, born too fat, born too skinny, whatever it might be, whatever. Or they, 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 they're, they're colorblind or they're born blind. They don't have an arm. They don't have a leg. Uh, they were born, they have defects from birth. All this other stuff that's going on, okay? Or they have proclivities in their family genetically for cancer, they have genetics uh, for heart disease. They have genetics for whatever, liver disease or anything like that, okay? They recognize that, but they don't like it. And they're ticked about it. And the, the fact is, if they don't handle that reality and they reject the reality and they won't accept it and they go into protests... You're looking at a very, very angry individual. Very angry, okay? And we have a lot of that going on in people because of the refusal to accept reality, okay? Now, again, I'm talking to believers here. We know this. We know that there's a new life coming. We know that we're going to get new bodies eventually, right? And, and we know that everything's going to be made right. We're going to be made whole one day. And that's the future, okay? That's, that's how you curtail this outlook of knowing that the future's coming, okay? But if you do not have that view or you refuse to even acknowledge that view and you just sit there and pout saying life is unfair because I have this or so-and-so has that or my kid has this or whatever has this affliction, you're going to get really messed up quick. And this will turn you not only against reality, but it will turn you against God. Because ultimately, you're going to say, well, who's to blame for this reality? That's where it's going to go. And trust me, I've seen it plenty of times in counseling. It goes there all the time. Well, and here's the, here's the theological bent. God's all-powerful. Why doesn't he do something about this? He could have stopped it. He could have changed the genetics. Isn't it funny? People have the right theology to know how powerful God is, right? They know he, can, he could actually do that. He know, they know he can heal. They know he can fix anything, right? So they know he's omni, uh, um, omnipotent. So that's not the question. That's not the, that's not the protest. That's not the charge. What is the charge? Then how come he doesn't if he has the power? How come he doesn't? So when you ask that question, you're asking a character question about God, okay? You're into the character of God at that point. We're not talking about power. We're talking about why doesn't he, okay? And here's what you have to, to wrestle with. Somehow, some way, God is saying, I'm allowing this to happen for a certain reason. Okay? Now, the, the, I haven't answered what that reason is. But where faith comes in is, I know, I know God's character is good. He's the ultimate in good. I know God's character is holy. 
He would never do anything wrong. He would never do anything evil, never do anything bad. I know what his character is. And that's all he tells you. And that's what you have to go on, is the father's character and his nature. And he doesn't tell you the reason why. He just says, I am who I am. And that should be enough to answer your question of why your life is going the way it's going. Why you have cancer, why you have heart disease, why you're struggling with your liver, why you're blind, why you have diabetes. Okay, I'm I'm taking out the human factor, obviously, the free will factor, right? Um, And this is what people struggle with. And they don't like that answer. They don't like that answer. They want a reason why their kid is sick and has cancer in the, in the Fresno Children's Hospital and no one else's does in their mind. Why does my kid have to have cancer and having chemo at four years old? You see what I'm saying? Okay. Or whatever. Or why does my spouse have to die? Like, like poor Paula uh, you know, Paul died at 54. We're going to have the funeral on, the, on Saturday, by the way. He's only 54. What, 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 why him and not, why not like Klaus Schwab? Right? Why not Yuval Harari? Those guys deserve to die because they're so evil. And so what ends up happening is people get angry and they want an answer. Okay, but what is the truth about reality? You have to go back to the truth about reality. You and I are not promised a safe life. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you're born and you'll be safe all the way through. No, it says you're born into a cursed reality. And that curse actually affects your body. It affects your, your, everyone, every human being is affected by this. Now, theologically, you understand this, but emotionally, it's very difficult. So what, what do you tell people, what do you say to people that say, well, this is not fair? I don't care if God has good reasons. It's my child. I don't care what you say, Brandon. All I want you to do is tell me how to bring my husband back. I've had people tell me that. I don't care about the resurrection. I don't care about the future. I want my husband right back. And if God can't resurrect him right now, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Okay? I've, had, I, I, I've dealt with people like this. Okay? I, I know how mad they are. I get it. But what's starting to happen is the person is not accepting the truth of reality. So they go into protest mode. And here's the question. If God were supposed, if God were, let's suppose God said, I'll answer you on this one. I'll tell you why your husband died. I'll tell you why your child has cancer. I'll tell you why um, this is going on in your life. Would you understand it? Would you even understand it if he told you? 
Because the reason I say that is because that's the response God gave Job. He first of all says, you weren't there when I created everything. And you're going to question what I am doing in the world, right? Okay? And, and he says, number one, you, you, you're going to a place where you shouldn't. Okay? Number one. Number two, even if I explain this to you, Job, you wouldn't understand. You would not understand. I could sit there and speak full Hebrew or English to Americans or whatever, and I would tell you what is happening and the plan, and you still wouldn't understand. How come we don't understand? Why is it that we wouldn't understand if he told us? Now, you might know hindsight or something like that, but you don't know the full ramifications of what God's seeing. Why is it that you can't fully understand if he even told you something? Because you're talking about the infinite trying to explain physics to a small neck clam. Okay? It's just not going to work. How do you do that? You can't. So what God says is you just need to trust me. I know what I'm doing. I know I don't have anything under control, and you just need to trust me. For I have millions of answers for you but you don't have the capacity to even take in a million reasons, so to speak. I can give you one, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to you because that one answer is connected to another million variables that you don't, are, are not even aware of that spans throughout history. How am I going to talk to you about future and history and past, present and future and all this, and, and you just want a simple question? It doesn't, it's not that easy. And so because you're in a limited capacity to understand being a fallen creature that uses only 3% of their brain at this point in time, I think we need to, we need to set this, answer, this question and answer thing aside to where when you have your glorified body and you're using 100% of your capacity, then I will explain it to you. Revelation 21. And then I will be able to wipe every tear from your eye. But you do not possess the capacity to understand. So we, that answer must wait. And so the, ask, the question, the, 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 those questions for reality and about why bad things are happening to you must be put on the back burner by faith, knowing that it will be answered in the next life when I do understand. Because right now you won't. You just won't. And, 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 and that's hopefully how we can deal with reality. But I'm telling you guys, most people are not dealing with reality like that. They are ticked off. I mean, livid at God. And they're believers. Now, can God take your anger? Of course he can. can you, what are you supposed to do with your anger if you're angry at God? What are you supposed to do? Pretend you're not angry? What are you supposed to do? You bring your anger to him. And you honestly say, I'm angry. I don't understand, but I'm angry. And he's not going to push you away and say, how dare you come to me like that? Don't you know better than that? What are you, crazy? No, 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 he doesn't do that. He's a father. 
okay, my child, let's, let's talk about, you're angry at me. You think I did something to you, right? Well, let's, let's flush that out with truth. I didn't do it. It was the curse, or it was Satan. It was the demons, or it was another person, a sinful person, or you did this to yourself, right? So when you, when you bring your anger before God and you say, why did, you, why did it, you make me like this? And he's saying, I didn't make you like that. The fall did. I didn't give you cancer. I didn't give you uh, some type of problem in your genetics. It came from the fall and it's traced back because you humans wanted to live apart from me. You wanted to call your own shots. You wanted to do what you wanted to do. So I gave you the freedom to do it and here are the consequences of that freedom. The reason bad things are going on in reality is because you chose to rebel. You, and they, I, know, I know what the, dar- the, the argument's going to be. You're going to come back and say, well, I, didn't, I wasn't doing what Adam and Eve did. I didn't do that. I wouldn't have done that. Oh, you wouldn't have. Oh, you would have done it faster than people leaving a Yoko Ono concert. You would have done it that fast. Way faster than Adam and Eve. The whole point of Adam and Eve's falling is the point that you would have done the same. That's the idea, right? That's the whole point. You can't blame Adam and Eve for that. It's you. So, you know, that, that's where he starts, you have this dialogue. But he can take your anger. And, and, and so he just says, come, let us reason together. Let's talk about it. If you get angry at God and take your anger away from him and, and, and disfellowship with God, remove yourself from other believers, you're going to get worse. Because you're just festering with your anger and a root of bitterness will pop up. And now you're mad at God. You're mad at other believers. You're mad at the world. And no one wants to be around you anymore. So if you're mad Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. Dude, I, I, um, I have to frequently prostrate, prostrate myself in front of the Lord because I get so angry. And what am I angry about? I'm angry about the evil that I see in the world. I'm angry when I see people do bad things to other people. I, I get angry about that. And I, I, I have a hard time with it. I, I, I struggle with my anger about injustice. And I, I honestly, man, I, I get to like a fever pitch and I have, to, I have to prostrate myself in front of him. And I've done that many times. And I, I, I say, I, I, you're gonna have to give me the ability to cope with this. You're gonna have to give me the grace to handle this because I'm getting too angry about this. I'm watching people just slaughter babies. I'm watching, I'm watching the LGBT just rip our, our country into shreds. I'm watching board members ignore the truth. And it, it makes me angry. And, it, it, and, and I'm sure it, it's, it's making you angry because a lot of people out there, you tell me you're getting angry. I get it. So you take it before the Lord. Tell him I'm angry and ask him for help. Now, I want to continue this. But accept the reality you live in. Please, don't protest it. 
okay? That's the first thing. Let's go on and, and let's look at a few things here. So one of the things that living in a fallen world is you, you must understand the difference between your expectations of this world and then the reality of this world, okay? The problem that people get into is they have unrealistic expectations of life in general. They, they truly believe that life is fair, they really do, and, or at least it should be. Well, I get the should be, but oh my goodness, if you live long enough in this reality, you see everything is unfair, right? So the funny thing is, the Marxists, the communists, have, uh, have their way of trying to make everything fair, and it's basically we're going to make everyone poor and not have anything, and the elites will have it all. That's their way of fairness, right? Equal, uh, equity, equal outcomes, stupid things like that. That's their, their inability to handle reality, okay? So what must I do? I must match my expectations with what the Bible says is happening in reality. And then you can actually cope well, okay? So like I've tried to tell you, and I'm not trying to be kind of a downer or anything, but you read the news, you see what's happening. You'd have to be a fool not to expect that some bad stuff's coming our way, right? You'd have to be a fool, you have to be an idiot. And there's plenty of morons out there that are ignoring you know, what's really happening. And I call them morons based on Romans 1, because when you suppress truth, you turn into a moron, don't you? That's actually the Greek word in Romans 1. He moronizes them. So we have a lot of morons walking around because they have expectations. Okay, now let's talk about you personally, about your expectations or what fouls up your expectations and your view of reality. First, when you look at your past, your past is not meant to look at and blame people. That's what modern psychology does. It wants to blame everybody for who you are. That's not what the Bible does. The Bible wants you to look at your past and process your past with truth so that you can let things go, so that you can move on into the future, okay? So a lot of us went through a lot of junk growing up and in our 20s and 30s and 40s, and, and you go through all life. But here's the thing. If you don't process things correctly, and you think you're going to sweep them under the rug and ignore them, dude, they will haunt you the rest of your life. They will keep resurrecting out of the grave and still be with you to the day you die. So let's look at some of these things that distort reality for people. Number one, you might not have gotten the proper love or the proper nurturing in your upbringing. Okay? I would say that's probably the majority of people. Okay, hey, I'm not saying our parents have to be perfect or not, but some parents were really bad, okay? They're just really bad. They were neglectful. They weren't there. They were checked out. They're on dope, uh, ran off, you know, whatever. They weren't there. And so what the person grows up in is an environment that lacks love and nurturing in their upbringing. Okay, so how do you think that's gonna distort reality for them? When they're older, it affects them, doesn't it? 
It sets them up for all kinds of stuff. Okay? So it could, it, let's just say, let's, it can go one of two ways. Let's say this, okay? You didn't have the love and nurturing growing up, so guess what the person will do coming out of the house? First of all, they'll look for love and nurturing, or at least the concept of it, and latch onto someone really quickly and leave the house. ASAP. I understand why they leave the house because there's no love and nurturing in the home. I get it. But then they'll flee into the arms of some idiot, right? That shows them just a little physical attention. And before you know it, the minute they left the house, now they're married. Okay? Why are they doing that? Because they're looking for love and nurturing. But the problem is, they're lo- the looking for love and nurturing is so fouled up, they don't even know what it looks like. And so they're attracted to the wrong people. And they'll marry the wrong people. Because they were just trying to escape and just fill the gap. So those gaps distort reality. Okay? So they go in there, and here's what they do. They marry an idiot, and now they're married to an idiot. And and now they're a Christian now. So now we're going to spiritualize the, the idiot move that they made. Oh, God, you gave me the wrong person. You made a mistake. Why did you not stop me with a shaft of light in my room and tell me that this person is an idiot that I married? And now I had kids with this idiot, and I don't know how to get rid of this idiot. I am trapped. Father, I have become a martyr in your sight. And now I need release. Please release me in some form or fashion from the idiot that I married. So they spiritualize it. They have spiritualized stupid decisions based on a lack of nurturing and love growing up. They jumped into the arms of the same type of individual that can't give them love and nurturing, but only gave them physical affection, and they misconstrued the physical affection for the love and nurturing. Does that make sense? And so now they're married to their mom and dad. Thank you very much. I'm telling you. Now, in, in, in the sense that they, de- they got no love and nurturing from mom and dad, then they marry somebody that can't give any love and nurturing, and you want to say, I wonder whose mistake what that was. You marry somebody like dear old mom or dear old dad that gave no love. Oh, oh I get it. We gravitate to that which we are familiar with. The reason people live in hell is because they know all the road signs. Another thing. There was a violation of real or perceived rights. Now, that, that, there's legitimacy in this one. Okay, uh, They had their rights as a human being violated uh, growing up, whatever that might be, molestation, rape, whatever. You, you, you should be shocked about the stats on women in Kern County. It's like 80% of them were raped or molested growing up. At least that report. That report. Is that high? Yeah, it's that high. It's what our nurses tell us that we're working those departments with the sheriff. Is that high? Yeah, it's that high. So there's violations of real rights there, obviously. That's going to do a lot of damage. And then there's perceived rights. Now, perceived rights doesn't mean they're real. It's what the person perceived. 
And that can be as, as powerful as a real right if the person perceives their, their rights were violated, whatever it might be. Um, for instance, you know, this is the big thing with teenagers today. They think their parents are ter- tyrants for having them do chores, <laughs> right? And it's like, you, you guys are slave masters. I don't have any rights in this house. And uh, look, dude, all we're asking you to do is throw away the trash and pick up the dog mess. That's all we're asking you. That's slavery. I'm going to report you to CPS. This, you're, I'm an indentured servant. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with these kids? Um, but that's a perceived right. They, have, they think they're, they have a perceived right that they shouldn't do chores, right? That's not legit. And so they'll go to their, their school counselor and says, you understand my mom and dad are really mean to me. How so? They make me pick up the dog mess. I can't believe they make me do that. It's so disgusting. And, 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 and then you'll have some stupid counselor say, yeah, you're right. I can't believe it. They would even make you pick up dog mess. Do they let you wear shoes while you do it? I hope, not. I hope so. I hope they don't let you go out there barefooted and pick up the dog mess. You'll get stupid counselors like that. Doing It, it encourages that. Okay, so let's take, um, let's take how this would, would mess up reality. A, a, a real violation of a right. A real violation, okay? Someone was raped or molested, so that's, that's legit. Um, when they go through life, this is going to set them up in a reality that they don't trust anybody, okay? They don't trust anyone. Even in people in, that have proper authority, and they, they will not trust authority if authority did this to them. So, they become angry at authority. Oh, back up a little bit. What's the problem we have with our culture about authority and police and law enforcement? You see what I'm talking about? The reason why this movement, uh, the, the glo- let, let's take out the globalists because I know what the globalists want for, for the law enforcement. But let's take out the movement just on the ground. Uh, you know, when we were, we were over there a couple Mondays a night at the, at the board meeting, did you notice the students are anti-law enforcement? Okay, they kept saying, I can't believe, you know, there was one incident that was wrong, but uh, I can't believe, you know, we, we need more counseling, less law enforcement. I want to say, are you out of your mind? Do you want the schools to turn into Lord of the Flies? Have you guys read Lord of the Flies, I want to say? When the kids have no authority and they go bonkers? Uh, that's what kind of environment you want. You want Minneapolis, you want Portland. That's the, no law enforcement, right? But why are the kids saying that? They're brainwashed because they've been told that authority or law enforcement is bad, okay? But if these people and the stats would prove it, have been violated when they were younger by authority, that narrative fits perfectly. Perfectly. And so the, the, the satanic uh, temptation to blame authority goes right along with how they grew up. And so they believe, follow me on this, they believe that reality would be better without authority. Because authority violated them. See how that works? And it's totally wrong, right? It's, it's a misperception, but it, it, it jacks them up. Or uh, here's the deal. 
where'd I go? Or people or something or the world messed up their future or hindered them in some way or prevented something or, or you know, prevented them achieving something, prevented them from uh, doing something they wanted to do, okay? And so this is how they protest reality. They're mad because someone stopped them. Someone got in the way, whether it was a teacher, a coach, uh, I don't know, anyone, a job, a boss, a supervisor. Someone prevented them from going further, Okay, so now they're ticked off about reality. And so now they're going to adopt a mentality. No one stands in my way. I will crush you if you get in my way. But what, what, what has happened to this person? They're mad about reality. Because in their mind, they had a plan. In their mind, they had a goal of what they wanted to do, what they wanted to be, what they wanted to achieve. Okay, but now something to stop that. Here's the thing. What's the truth about this? James gives us the answer. You can plan all kinds of things in your life. Okay? You can set goals. Those are good. They're healthy for you. It's always good to set goals. And you, I want to, you know, I want to retire by this or I want to do this. Great. Go for it. Set the goals. But here's the caveat according to James. He says, if you say, I'm going to go tomorrow to this and this city and that city over here, you must qualify it by saying, if God wills it. Amen. Oh, well, that brings a whole nother ball game into how, how I deal with reality. So what you're going to see in reality is your plans will always be interrupted. Your plans will be thwarted. In fact, sometimes God will change your plans, okay? But people will get in the way. The world will get in the way, everything. So what you must do is submit those plans to God, and if he so wills it, he will make it happen. But if he doesn't, you have to be flexible enough to go with it. Because if you're not, and you get locked into concrete... And you're like, no, this is what I wanted to do with my life. And now even God's telling me no. And he shut the door. Now you're going to be ticked. And this is what happens to people. And this is, this is what they tell me in counseling. Brandon, I didn't plan for my life to go this way. And I say, join the team. Yeah, you're, you're, this, is, this is part of it. I know. Neither did I. You think I thought about this? That, that was the last thing on my mind as a teenager. Um, you got to be out of your mind if I thought this was the plan. But, but, but what's the point? The point is adaptabil- spiritual adaptability to God changing the course of your life to what he needs, he sees fit, that's good for you. Here's the thing. I wish I could go back and tell myself as a teenager saying, number one, you're an idiot, okay? That's the first thing I wanted to tell myself. Number two, you know nothing. You know nothing at 16, okay? 
okay? Sorry for offending teenagers, but you don't know anything, man. I'm sorry. Um, they think they do. My teenagers think they know everything, apparently, and I'm just an idiot, okay? But I, wanted to, I want to go back and tell myself this and say, hey, dude, I'm going to tell you something, man. You think that you got this all planned? You have no idea where your life is going to take you, where God's going to take you. It's, it's going to be totally different than what you perceive. And I, I just need you, Brandon, as, my, as your future self talking to you, I need you to be way more flexible than what you're willing to be. And, and rest assured, it's the right thing, but you won't see it. You won't see it right now, but you've got to be flexible enough and not get bitter and angry and upset when your plans finally stop. When your dreams go down the tubes and what you thought for your life was going to happen and didn't, you need to be okay with that and you need to accept it. Because I spent my entire 20s protesting the new direction. It took me a decade because I, I wasn't going in that direction. And so I saw the direction. I saw what was happening. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. That's not what I had planned. And so you can sit there all day long, like I did for nearly a decade, and you can wrestle all night with God if you want. Okay? And I did. And it's stupid to, it's like, you know, Jacob wrestling with God. And you're like, what are you doing, man? What are you, and it, you know, he's going to overpower you at some point. He, he's just toying with you. And then at the end of the night, you know, he taps Jacob's hip and says, dude, I can take you out in just an instant, right? Are we going to keep doing this all day long or what? Are you going to finally learn who's in control here? And, and, and I've always shared, shared this with you. I, I wrestled like that. And maybe you wrestled with God like that. And at the same time, you notice in the, in the, in the, in the, the, the wrestling match, God asks for Jacob's name. He says, what is your name? Now, why would God need to ask for somebody's name? He already knows the guy's name. He knows he's wrestling with Jacob. But why does God say, what's your name? What does he want Jacob to do? Because when he's wrestling with you and he's wrestling with me, he's going to say, what's your name? What's your name? You're wrestling with me, but I want to know your name. I know it already, but I want you to say it. What's your name? Now, why does he do that? You know what he was, what was, what was he trying to elicit out of Jacob? He needs a confession from Jacob. That's what he's wanting. He already knows who Jacob is. He's wanting Jacob to confess his name. Why? Because Jacob's name is a picture of his character. And he wants him to admit who your real identity is. You can't play games with me. You're functioning, Jacob, under a different identity, which I have not given you, but you have given yourself. And Jacob, admit to me, you're the trickster, aren't you? You are the trickster. You are the heel grabber, aren't you? You're the one who plays tricks on people to manipulate through life, aren't you? I need you to admit that to me while we're wrestling here. That's why you're wrestling with, with me. Because now I'm, not, I'm now going to give you a new identity. Israel will be your new name. 
and your new identity. And that name means two things, wrestles with God, but prince as well. So when he's wrestling with you, here's what he's going to do, because he did it with me. What's your name? My name is Brandon. No, no. What's, what, what, did, what identity do, did you attach to your name? Oh, you mean my plans? You mean my, my goals in life? Yeah, that's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to that guy. And I'm telling you, you're wrestling me over that identity. And it's not you. I'm telling you it's not you. That's an identity based on works. That's, a base, uh, that's an identity based on performance. And I need you, Brandon, to leave it. Because I want to give you a new identity in Christ, which doesn't need to be performed, but I'll give to you because my son gave it to you. And that's what I want you to know, be known by, not by your performance identity. So are you going to keep wrestling with me? Because what I'll do, I'll tap you on the hip and I'll take away all your performance. And then what will you have left? Nothing but your identity in Christ. And so he did. Now, the various ways in which God will tap you and disable your, your hip socket like he did Jacob will be to take away your performance identity. So I've known doctors who um, got their identity all through, you know, being a great heart surgeon, okay? And they were known for their identity of doing heart surgery. But you know what happened? What happened? They started getting arthritis in their hands and couldn't perform the surgeries anymore. Can't perform. Lost their identity. Went into depression. Almost killed themselves. Why? Lost their performance identity. And they're wrestling with God saying, who am I? And God's saying, will you admit to me you have a performance identity and will you accept the new identity I'm going to give you? Because if you don't, you're going to sit there in nothing land. And it's the same thing is true. He'll take away your ability to perform. If you find your identity in what you do, what you perform as, I'm, I'm this, Brandon, and it's always uh, identified by the things you do, then that's a performance identity. And, and, and so what ends up happening is we adopt a performance identity because of the reality that we're in. And th- th- we're talking about reality. And what is the reality? People in this world only know you by what you do. But in God's reality, you're known for who you are because you're made in his image, which gives you intrinsic value, and you're so valuable, he died for you. That's your identity. Now, that's different than performance. But here's the thing. If you're struggling with reality, many, many times it's because you don't know who you are. And so this idea of someone prevented my future Someone stopped me from achieving my goal. Oh, was that performance, Brandon, that was trying to achieve the goal? Because yes, it was. I'll give you an example, and then we got to quit. So, I'm um, in high school. I'm getting recruited, okay, uh, for baseball, football, the whole thing. And um, University of Hawaii um, had seen me pitch in a fall program. They wanted to come back and and see me again. And I had other offers as well, but Hawaii comes to see me. And um, they told me they had no one over the, in the islands breaking 80. 
that was left-handed. Well, I'm breaking 80 and I'm left-handed in high school, okay? So they need a left-hander. They're prepared to give me a full scholarship, full scholarship. And the, and the scout always said, all I need is an inning from you and then we'll pick you up. Okay. I tell my head coach at Delano, hey, scout's coming in. If I, I'm not scheduled to pitch, at least get me in one inning so he can see me because a full ride is being offered uh, here. Okay, okay. <laughs> so the game starts. And for some reason, I don't know if my coach showed up drunk. I don't know if he got in a fight with his wife. I don't know what happened. But from the time I talked to him in school to that game, his whole mindset went crazy. I think it was demonic now looking back. And he, I said, hey, just to remind you, he's coming. Um, even if you get me in seventh inning, whatever, he just needs to see an inning. No scout is going to tell me how to pitch my players. I thought we worked this out. Well, if I can get you in, I'll get you. He never got me in. Scout comes. And he's like this to me. I said, talk to him. So the scout talks to the head coach. Doesn't get any reaction. The coach says, no, one, no one's going to tell me how to pitch my players. So I don't get in. The opposing team... We were playing, had another lefty, and they signed him and gave him the scholarship instead of me. And I'm about to hit the ceiling on this one. I lost a full ride because some idiot coach has an ego, okay? Now, what did, what did that do for my reality? My reality is someone prevented my future. Someone stopped me from achieving my goals, okay? And at the time, in that capsulation, you can see I'm going to get ticked. I'm going to get really, really upset about this and protest not only the coach, but reality, unforgiveness, bitterness, the whole nine yards is going to come out of this, okay? But what... what I look back, though, I'm 50 now, and I look back. Even though, I want you to think about this. This is where faith comes in. God didn't want me going to the University of Hawaii, by the way. Um, I can tell you that right now. I would have spent my time surfing, and I never would have went to class, and it, it would have just been a disaster. I don't even think I would have graduated um, at all, man. But back then I was ticked, 17 years old, man. Hey, what are you doing? You're getting in the way of my future. But now looking back, what, what God was planning is like, no, 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 no. I don't need you going to Hawaii. I have another plan for you. You are gonna get a full ride, but you're gonna go to the East Coast instead. And you're gonna go to an Ivy League and you're gonna get educated there. Oh, well, I don't know. You compare, at 17, you compare Manhattan to Hawaii Mm. that's not good. Okay, follow me on this. So I'm thinking, you know, going through, like, ah, wow, okay, so I'm going to go where the money's at. The money's there, uh, you know, it's great, okay? So I'm going to go there. So I go there, and um, 
what I didn't realize is why God redirected me from going to, I could have went to a California school, Pepperdine, Fresno State, whatever. But he's, no, I want you to go east. And I want you to go to this particular school for a reason. I didn't know. I didn't know why. I now know why. Because I was immersed into the Frankfurt school that came out of Germany that had implanted itself right in Columbia University. I was around the politicians that you see today. I, have, I had their professors. I had them teaching Marxism and communism to us at Columbia. I saw, I saw what they were doing in the School of Journalism. I heard the arguments. And then I had to deal with the atheism and the vitriolic individuals there that absolutely hate Christianity. And I had to learn apologetics while I was there, and not only politically, but know how to defend myself spiritually while I was there. Now, I understand the reroute. Going to Hawaii would not have benefited me because he had this prepared for me and so that I could spot the current climate politically what's going on. My background is political science. I can read these guys like a book. You know why? I was in their classes. The guys on TV, I see they were my professors. I mean, they're, they're ungodly, Marxist, communists, but I know how to spot them. And I know how to spot it even getting into the church. Now, what am I saying about reality? I am saying, even though you might be rerouted and you don't know why, and some stupid coach stood in your way or some stupid boss stood in your way, it was for a reason. He had an ultimate good purpose and you must trust that rerouting of your life because he can do more things if you, will, if you flex and go with it rather than sit there and protest. Do I protest that now? Of course not. He was making the right decision when I didn't know anything. He was guiding. And so this is the, this is the lesson about reality, guys. It's, it, it's gonna stink you're going to run up against brick walls and you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? But understand he's got an ultimate plan and he will work it. But you have to trust. You have to trust, okay? All right, let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.